I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Two Cups of Tea. I'm Chris Heath, and today I've travelled a bit further afield. Well, actually, a lot further afield. I'm in Plymouth, and with the help of tea and biscuits, as usual, I'm going to hear the life story of another older legend in their golden years. Here's a few tidbits to wet your whistle. I'm not a writer of bodice rippers. You mean not like steamy, steamy, not Fifty Shades of Grey? Well, (laughs) he just stopped and he said, will you marry me? Gravy? Stuff in the lot. I used to get up early. So you used to do a full Sunday roast at the beach? (laughs) It was full of men who had no partners. (laughs) So let's go in and meet Gloria. She's 89 years old and has spent a long and happy life in and around Plymouth. Here comes the theme tune. I have to say, this is a very nice list. Not only are there cups and saucers... I have to have a sauce. There's nowhere to put the spoon. Everybody knows that in, in family. So they all give me mugs and I just wait and the sauce always comes. Well, not only is there a saucer with a spoon, um, but, Gloria, I noticed there's some there's some tea cakes and Viscount mint bar biscuits. Cheers. So have you lived in Plymouth all of your life? Well, yes, I have, uh, except for during the war when I went up after, during the bombing, went up to Wolverhampton and stayed with an aunt, my mum's eldest sister. And uh, I hated every moment I was there. I just couldn't wait to come home to Plymouth. So so where were you when, when you weren't here? In Wolverhampton. That seems like the wrong way around for an evacuee, doesn't it? I would have thought you, Wolverhampton would be more of a risk than Plymouth. You would, because of its nearness to Birmingham, for a start. Yeah. But we only ever had one raid while I was there, with nothing happening. The alarm, the siren went off, but there was no, no action, no activity at all, except my uncle, who we lived with. He was a very tall man, very strict person, and he had never... He'd, although he was a soldier, he'd never endured a civil air raid. And he panicked around. He was running around like mad. He li- They lived in a pub. We lived in a pub during that time. Mm. And uh, so everybody down to the cellar. Do you, you know the army show, uh, Dad's Army? Yes. Think of the man who panicked. Oh, and Corporal that was, Jones. That was my six-foot-odd uncle. 
yeah. who was very austere. He had his, he got out of bed and put his trousers on back to front. That was the first thing. And, of course, both my brother and I thought that was hilarious. And we <laughs> well, were, it was hilarious. And, and what was happening was nothing, and yet we'd been used to bombs could start almost as soon as the alarm went off. Yeah. Well, am I right in thinking your dad was in the army in World War Two? The army was my dad's life, really, to start with, because he was born in Durham. Father was a miner, as all his family, and he had no choice but to go down the mines, and that started at 12 when he left school. He, he went in the mines at 12? 12. 12. I think it should have been 13, but 12 was when he went down, hmm. and he took care of the donkeys down there. The donkeys lived underground all the time. Yeah. And... Uh, the donkeys were always down there? They did I then. didn't know that. Oh, yes, depressing, depressing. We, they had a oh, it's the same as the pit ponies, isn't it, I'm guessing? That's, that's what I meant. I, what, what is the difference between donkey and pony? I don't, I don't know. know. Let's not bother. But I think it's about half a foot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there we are then. Now I know. But uh, they lived in, the, in a little cottage in the shadow of the mine. Mm. The mine was just at the end of the road, really. And to me, it was always... I only ever went up there once... Was it once? Yes, just once. I didn't meet my grandparents until I was seven mm. because my father met was in the army. He came down here to the Citadel, met my mum and didn't go home again, really. Yeah. And it was no loss to him because he didn't have a mum of his own and it was a stepmum because his mum died when he was young. So did he have to deal with any of the bombings? Yeah. Yeah, we had to go away. He was he was stationed over at Rainhead mm. and... That's just out the, an arm that comes out into the sand. Yeah. And he could see Plymouth burning. And uh, he couldn't start. He didn't know what happened to his family. So he came over. He got special leave. He came over with tickets. He said, you're going up to your sister. And in those days, there was no telephone. Yeah. So we were going there blind, really. I mean, she didn't know we were coming. Yeah. Sure. Nobody had telephones. It was strange days. What was your mum like? Bright, cheerful, pretty. No, she wasn't pretty, she was beautiful. But I can remember being told when I was a child, you're a pretty enough little girl, but you'd never be as good looking as your mum. And I never forgot that. Well, that, it's those little, it, it was those little throwaway comments that people, that, that mm. stay with you forever, isn't it? It did. And I was too young to even care whether anybody thought I was pretty or not. Yeah. But I just thought, that's strange. Yeah, that's but horrible. I, but I was proud of my mum because all the other mums seemed to be so old and my mum wasn't, she was young. And uh, she, we did have very, we truly had very little money, but she was, um, she loved hats. And of course, everybody wore hats in those days. Yeah. What would you say how you've inherited? What characteristics have you inherited from your mum? Oh, she had inherited most of them, except smoking, she smoked. Mm. She did like her ciggy. <laughs> but there we are. We all, we all got little vices. I like my chocolate. Do you remember? At school, your first crush. Oh, <laughs> very, very early. I'm not sure if it's on my side or his. A little bit of both, probably. Yeah. I was five, actually. <laughs> and I was, I started at three, I started school at three. And we were in the same class all the time. And I can remember his name, it was Robert Putt. Robert Putt. Yeah. And I was, we, we were all going to go and playground and learn to skip. Yeah. So 
out we went and we were given partners. And somehow he was Bob was given to me to just skip. So we skipped around together. And uh, it was lovely because I was um, holding on to this boy's hand and he was smiling away. <laughs> but I um, eventually, many, many years later, I saw him again after I'd left school and gone, we'd gone to different schools. Mm. And uh, I, I had a friend who married his brother and I went to the wedding and saw him there then. So as a teenager, did you have any... Any hobbies? What did you like to do? Dance and swim. Well, dance and swim? Where did you swim? Well, in the sea, of course. You couldn't pay. I don't think we even had bathing pools then. I Apparently, according to my mum, I don't remember ever learning to swim, but she said that I crawled into the sea. Um, I, was in the, I was being taken care of by a cousin because I had loads of cousins. Yeah. And... Uh, Apparently, I crawled into the sea because she and my dad were swimming. And I was I, I was trying to, they came dashing in, but they took me out with them and I was swimming. So, wasn't I lucky? I didn't go through any of that awful, oh, I'm well, sinking no, None of that water wings or, or having to carry a float. You just, yeah. you just, you were a water baby. Yeah, I was. I used to have a swim before I went to work. And uh, I'll just, just go down to the sea and have a swim before work. Yes. And oh. later on, when we had the pool and I was old, I didn't want to go in the sea in May yeah. early in the morning because I'm mean, going to have to go up there quite early. Mm. And uh, I then I, I took to going to Central Park swimming pool before I went to work. Mm. Not at all the time, not in the winter, because uh, I, well, I don't know, it wasn't as appealing as it was in the summer when you get older. Yeah. In the summer, if I, or if I wasn't in the water before the end of May, I thought the summer was over. Oh, so you've got to keep the summer going as long as you can. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So swimming and dancing. Oh, yes, dancing. Absolutely. Of course, that started in church hall. Your eyes lit up when, when, when you said dancing. Well, was, that, was, that, was that really your thing? Well, yes. No, it's, it's slightly different from how I could manage now. But, uh, yes, uh, every single night virtually. And that started... Actually, before I came back to Plymouth from Wolverhampton, mm. I had been to a few church dances, very staid affairs, in bare halls, wooden seats, horrible. When you look back on them, horrible wartime, dingy places. Yeah. Anyway, we went to the Continental. Was it as grand as it sounded? Oh, it was gorgeous. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven because... It was chandelier. There were chandeliers. It was a great big hall. Mirrors everywhere, all with gold around them. It was reminiscent now, I suppose, of the twenties. Yes, that's that sort of. Well, it was a twenties place, probably. Yeah. And uh, not only that, it was full of men who had no partners. <laughs> no wallflowers in those days at all. Yeah. And. Uh, I no sooner took off my coat and went in there. I took it in the cloakroom. They gave me a ticket. Well, before, we'd sort of all hung them all up in a side place in these church halls. Oh, and in the dingy just, ones. But this gorgeous, bright, glass chandeliers were absolutely gorgeous. And a spring, a sprung floor, which I didn't realise could happen. And the what's, di- a sprung, what's a sprung floor? Well, it's, it's, it's a door. It's a floor you can actually feel the feel it move you can, well there's gifts so better for dancing yeah oh it's wonderful for dancing. wow i don't think i've our had guild a sprung hall. floor before that's well, our guild hall has one there actually i can't walk on it now oh really because i'm too unsteady so what kind of music was it and what kind of dances were they oh 
ballroom dancing because it was continental. In the in the smaller places, the dives more. Yeah. You had lots of Americans and Canadians who jived and jiggered jitterbug. Yeah. But you weren't allowed to do that. You'd come up, you'd, your finger wagged at you if you were if you were trying to do anything more than waltz. Yeah. But I loved the waltz. This I loved them all. What were the local lads like about the the influx of American soldiers? Oh, they hated them. Did they? Yeah, yeah. We didn't have very many of our own servicemen here. It seemed to me, although we were a garrison town, we had the citadel mm. with the army. They were all outnumbered. There were so many other. Nationalities. There, there are Poles, New Zealanders, Australia. Mm. Not the French, which I was pleased about. I didn't like getting on buses when French were there because it was smelled of a sort of a pomade thing with their hair. Oh, that pomade kind of, yeah. Well, that night I went there with the, the boys from next door. Mm. There was this very young, shy American, and he kept trying to dance with me. But the thing was, when I went into that ballroom. You had a, and that's with every girl. Mm. As soon as the girl came in, they'd all rush up and say, Can I have this dance for you? The first dance, can I have the second? Third? You're booked ahead like that. I did you have an actual dance card? No, no, no. When we, you just I had to remember. I could have done, no, I didn't remember. They had to. <laughs> I could, there were so many there, and they all looked the same to me. You did, you're all in yeah. the uniform. And uh, at that time, you know, I was just astounded when I walked in. I was still overcome by all these lights. And, uh, so you, you started to dance, but it was taken for granted. If someone came and tapped him on the shoulder, mm. excuse me, then you you moved on with that one. So you didn't get around the dance floor with one partner. It was possibly four before you did it, before you rounded it. It was just all right if you were just wanting to meet people uh, very casually, but if you wanted to have a talk, I always wanted to have a talk. Mm. And uh, that was a bit frustrating, really. But uh, that, that was just the way it was. So tell me how you met your husband. At the Continental, of course. Oh, very good. I hadn't met him before, but I know he'd been out with my friend Sylvia. Mm. And uh, it was... I didn't take to him that much. It was a group of people. I went in the foyer and she was talking to him and several other people. Mm. And uh, I joined them and she introduced me to him. And uh, he shook hands with me. He said, can I have the first dance right away? I was just getting in on the act, you know, quickly because, of course, yeah, that was uh, you got a book. You got a book early, yeah. <laughs> and uh, by that time, the Americans had gone. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so, what year was this then? Probably forty-five, forty-six. Forty-six. So, by that point, on the Americans had gone. More or less, they still yeah. were around, but not not in quantity. The dance halls were much quieter then. They were always full, but more evenly partnered. Hmm. So he had the first dance with you. Oh yes. And what, and, and what was his name? Vic. So his name was Vic. And what what did he do? He was just coming out of the navy. Yeah. He was a petty officer. He was shipwright, and because he was a shipwright, that was the top class in the dockyard. Mm. And uh, he was there in his civvies, not in a uniform, which was unusual because nearly everybody was in uniform. Mm. And so I think that's perhaps why it didn't excite my interest very much because I. Oh, because I mean, you liked the sharpness of a uniform. I did like uniforms. Mm. And uh, anyway, we danced around, and we we had been around about once, and he just stopped, and he said, will you marry me? And I thought, 
So we are fellow here. Not said, just on your first date, but on your first dance. First dance, first oh ten God. minutes, first five minutes. And uh, I said, oh, yes, of course I will. Thinking it was his line. Yeah. This is what he does to all the girls. And uh, he stopped and he absolutely stopped and he said, you will? And I said, of course I said I would, didn't I? And I was just laughing still. Yeah. And we carried, carried on dancing. And uh, for a while he was very quiet. And then... He said, should we sit for out together? I thought, oh, I don't sit down with you. I mean, I like to meet lots of people. Yeah. You know, I was being polite. Yes, Because course. in those days, you had no choice. If someone came to ask you to dance and you didn't want to dance with them, you would say, no, I'm sitting this one out. Hmm. And you weren't, you could not. Your manners has insisted that you did not dance that dance. And there was no way that I was ever going to sit a dance out. Hmm. Not while there was still a partner to ask me. Yeah. And uh, so I said, oh, yeah, all right then. And then um, he seemed to be prepared to stay around after the next one. I said, oh, I must go to the loo. And we're dashing out. Mm. And I always just get hot hands. I always quite run the hands under the tap anyway. Primp, you know, mm. do all the bits you've got to do. <laughs> and I came back in and he was waiting for me. And then I thought, oh, goodness, this is getting much. Three dances in a row. So um, anyway, uh, I purposely, at the end of the next dance, I said, uh, Oh, I must go in, I must go in, there's something there, I've got to go and speak to. And I just went off. Yeah. And before I got back to him, I was dancing with somebody, you know, yeah. somebody else had asked me to dance with him. So um, I didn't, we didn't get together, back together, but he was there for the last dance. He said, I'm hoping I can take you home. Well, that was okay. I didn't mind that mm. because I was going along a dark road next door to no lighting. And this went from there because I didn't have the heart. He seemed so... So persistent, mm. but in a nice way. It wasn't a pushy way, it was a shy, gentle way. Mm. And, uh, well, I suppose it just was, I wasn't dazzled, which is probably the very best basis for marriage. And he was, t- while he was taking me home, he was talking so seriously to me about the future. So he's, he, you still thought it was the joke and it was like a line of his? He was talking all about, you know, what he wanted to do in the future and what sort of family he would like. And I suddenly, I said, this, this is not right. I don't quite know why he's saying all this. Mm. So I said to him, we weren't joking, you know, just now. You don't have to tell me all this. Um, when I said I'd marry you, mm. he said, oh, you sure? So he, quite, he was not joking then? He was quite sure. He said, we'll see. And that was it. Mm. And then... Every week, I, I kept on going out with him. I think I was really quite pleased that he was so keen. Mm. And although I was sort of hedging my bets a little bit, yeah. he said, if you want to go out with anyone else, don't tell me, just go. Yeah. That chance I had, because every night he was saying, well, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But anyway, it, was all, it all worked out in the end. And uh, So eventually, you, you, you gave in. Well, yes, he asked me. He kept, oh, yes. I was getting, I was a desperate one in the end because uh, he asked me so often. And yeah. I, just, I said, oh, no, I'm not really free yet. No, well, perhaps, I don't know. Well, no, I'm not going to, you know, depend on what the mood was. Mm. And uh, then it, it, I went to his house. I met his mum. And uh, I came and I'd helped, you know, good girl. I'd been out in the kitchen and helped her wash up. Yeah. And when I came back, he was sitting at the table talking to his brother. Yeah. And I looked at him and he was laughing. And he had nice blue eyes, his Air Force blue shirt on. And, oh, he's rather nice. I do like him. I thought next time he asked me, I'll, ask, I'll, I'll say yes. Mm. 
And then he didn't ask me. We went right through Christmas, right the way through to the following March. And that was the first time he hadn't proposed to me just about every night. Well, see, at that point, you had him round your little finger. And at that point, that sounds like he wised up. I think he did. <laughs> anyway, the next time he said, he said, I said, yes, please. And that was it. Oh, that's lovely. So he got married and then he went away and came back in the, that in the, in the August. And then we started a family right away then. And so you had, is it, did you have sons, daughters? What did you have? Two sons. Two sons. What were their names? Stuart yeah. and Nicholas. I wanted four, but only two ever came. I think that was just as well because I realised when I'd had two that I couldn't possibly afford them four. Mm. It was just to do it, to educate them and things like that. Where did you move them? Were you in Plymouth? Still, obviously, yeah. still in Plymouth. So there was nowhere to move to in Plymouth. Even mm. I, we had to live with my mum for a while, mm. uh, very cramped. And then we, could, you see, there was so much bombing. Plymouth was flattened, absolutely flattened. And I was amazed at how much more was flattened after I came back. You could see stand in the centre of the town and look, and I could see way, way out. Places that I never visualised before because buildings were... So it was a completely different landscape because you could see the gaps where the buildings were that had been hit. I was just absolutely shocked. I can remember coming from uh, from um, North Road Station and we walked everywhere in those days. And uh, I can remember walking down Ewing Street, which seemed to have shrunk greatly in size. Mm. I was in... While I was away in Wolverhampton, I'd imagined it wide and long. It was long, but it wasn't wide. Mm. Everything seemed to have shrunk. But there were no buildings. It was, everything was flattened. Mm. I couldn't believe it. The men went off to work separately. They had different jobs, of course. Mm. But the women, we'd get the children up to school and they'd come back. We'd all come into my house and we'd have a cup of tea. In the summer, we'd sit on the, on the front step mm. and enjoy it. And uh, if in the winter they'd come in, and I can remember one day they came in and I actually made pasties and they were cooked before they went home. And then we spent an awful lot of time together just talking. Mm. It's lovely. We were friends, friends for many years. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Am I right in thinking you created a, a rival to the to Women's Institute? It wasn't a rival, it was the Institute. No, it was the Young Wives Group. It wasn't me who did that. I belonged to the Young Wives Group mm. out at, uh, when I lived at home with my mum at St Paul's, St Paul's St George. What would you say is your speciality? Have you got like a thing that everyone is, you're famous for? Hot crust buns and Christmas puddings, probably, because I made Christmas puddings every year mm. from the word go. Hot crust buns came when I went to work for the electricity board and I saw the new electric, electrical gadgets and things mm. and I bought a Kenwood mixer. So that was the start of bread making all the rest. Of it. I, I wasn't really a very good plain cook. My mum was a plain cook, but she was... It was always nice. It was she made gorgeous pasties, mm. absolutely gorgeous ones. And when I the days when I worked and I, I would come home and I would open the door and uh, in my own house she she eventually moved and she was uh, not very far away from me. So she used to take charge of my dog during the day, and bring him back, and some days she'd bring back pasties she'd made and pop them in the oven. So when I came in, they were being kept warm in the oven, and I didn't Whoa. have to start cooking. And they I, always, always hung over, the dinner plate always hung over the edge of this air. It was huge, absolutely huge. <laughs> I know that in this part of the world, people are very particular about what goes into a pasty. What would you say makes a perfect, you know, the, the correct pasty? Turnip and onion. You've got to have turnip. People, uh, some shops sell them in with ca grated carrot. Absolutely awful. And that was something that happened, that happened at school. I... Uh, when I, I changed schools and had to go to school in Wolverhampton, mm. and uh, we had a, a domestic science teacher called Miss Postlethwaite, mm. very austere lady, and uh, very. It sounds like quite a forbidding name, Miss Postlethwaite. I mean, she was tall, thin, very angular, mm. glasses, and we all used to laugh about her because she always seemed to have an eye for the men. Mm. But there was no way that they were attracted to her. She was so stiff, yeah. which was a shame, really, because she was probably a nice lady. Well, not when she marked me down on things. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, she said, we're going to make Cornish pasties. I thought, oh, all right, I know how to do this. I mean, my mum had taught me well. Mm. And uh, she started, she said, now first we cook the meat, up shot my hand. No, we don't We do not do that, Miss Potter's way. I come from then, you don't cook the meat. It won't be cooked, Gloria, unless you cook it before. I said, it will be. All right. I'll let you do yours your way and I'll do mine. But the rest of the class will do it my way. And she had to admit at the end. <laughs> but she still didn't give me top marks, the old biddy, because uh, I think she was a bit miffed. Well, yeah. she had her nose put out of joint, that's why. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't have said carrot, but turnip, yeah, it's... it's oh, you've got to have turnip. Yeah. Well, I say turnip, you know... Well, I want one now. <laughs> <laughs> As a family, did you spend a lot of time at the beach? Oh, yes. We didn't have holidays. What did you do for food when you were down at the beach? When we first started going to the beach as a family, I'd take sandwiches with us. What beach was this? Oh, it sounds a very dangerous beach, really, but I always made sure that the boys... I was in the water with the boys, mm. and, uh, you know, I felt reasonably OK. But it was, it, was, it was a lovely beach. It was clean and you had to climb down a cliff so it wasn't terribly busy or anything. Mm. And uh, let's say we always took sandwiches. But my husband 
always loved his Sunday dinner. And there was sometimes say, oh, you know, I really want a Sunday dinner, but why, why have we got to go to the beach every week? Because he, he, you see, his mum was much older than my mum. She was, she had him when she was in her 50s. Mm. And so, and and then his father died just after, so she worked long hours. Mm. And Sundays, or weekends, weren't the days that they would go to the beach. They would go fishing on on bike, uh, go go on the bikes and then go fishing. Mm. But uh, he went because we loved it so much, the boys loved it. And so he sort of suffered it. So I thought, well, it's a shame he's being done out of his... uh, Sunday meal that he really likes. Mm. So I used to get up. I bought wide neck flask and uh, put. I'd get up in the morning. The only thing he had to put up with mashed potatoes rather than roast potatoes. Yeah. But I would put it into the flask, and we'd go down there and have that. Before that, we'd have our. We'd get down on the beach and have our have our drinks and something sweet to eat because that was our mid morning thing. And then very not long after, they'd go and have a swim and come in and say, right, are we ready to eat? I thought, I've hardly cleaned up from the last lot yet. <laughs> but anyway, they'd want their, their lunch almost immediately. So it was never kept hanging around. Gravy, stuff in the lot. I used to get up early. So Sunday. you used to do a full Sunday roast at the beach. That's, I tell you what, that's commitment. That's keeping everyone happy. It was. <laughs> I liked it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds delicious as well. So you were in your 70s, and this was after Vicar passed away? Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. I had a great big hole in my life then. And uh, yeah, was some, wanted to... Wanted so you wanted to, to fill it, that mm-hmm. hole? Yeah, big time. But I... And my dad died. I'd been taking care of him. And it, it was it was a great big hole there in my life. And then the very next day, I went up to the shopping centre, and uh, there in the window of a charity shop was um, an advertisement uh, about... Um, uh, a writing class that was starting. Mm. Um, and uh, anyway, I decided that I would ring them. I rang up and I said, uh, am I too old? Yeah. And they laughed like a drain, the girl, the other man. She said, we're all old up here. <laughs> and, well, she wasn't. She was a girl. But I went up and it was supposed to be really a six-weeks writing class. Mm. And when we finished that course, we decided that we liked to become a group and help ourselves, you know, be... Uh, meet up so we could help each other through the d- patches where you hit a brick wall yeah. or if you're going along a wrong route or something, just for critique. So you became like a little writer's collective. Yes. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. And uh, that took up a lot of time and I really enjoyed doing that. I'm secretary and uh, that took a lot of time too. Mm. Did you ma- did you ever manage to write a novel? Yes, I've, I'm on my fourth if I ever get back to doing it. Are you really? Yeah, I haven't touched it for a while. But it's, I, I keep on re-editing. I had one, I've got one book on Kindle. You're playing this down quite a lot. That means you've written three novels. You say, you say it's on Kindle. Well, I think we should give them a plug. I, I think we should, What are the names of the novels, please, Gloria? Oh, it's only one. Uh, one on there. Which one is it? Let me think. Um, last word. And your author's name is? Gloria Lane. Gloria Lane. Yeah. So, podcast listeners, it's Gloria Lane, available on Kindle now. Uh, the last word, what kind of book is it? Well, I'm it, giving it five stars, by the way. 
<laughs> yeah, I've decided well, I am. That's very kind of you, but <laughs> men don't usually like the sort of book I write. They're, um, it's, it's a gentle, gentle story because I'm not one, I'm not a writer of bodice rippers. You mean not, not, not like steamy, steamy, not Fifty Shades of Grey? Well, there, there'll, be, there'll be a little bit of romance in it, but it, you will not get, the door will close. I understand. You will, I you, you mean you're happy. talking about the bedroom door will close? I understand exactly what you Even when she leads in there. But see, that's better. It's better left to your imagination. Well, that's my feeling too. Because when I hear the men, the men's idea of a love story wasn't mine. Yes. Because men and women are different, aren't they? Absolutely. The gentler part and men are the massive ones. Yeah. No, that's that's perfectly true, isn't it? Mm. Um, That's incredible. That's... That's... Because I think a lot of people think about doing things like that, you know, have grand schemes of things of thinking, do you know what, I'm going to write a novel. And people don't, even though they mean to. So the fact you've written not just one, but three, and one of them is available on Kindle, that's incredible. So did you, you, did you self-publish and, and put it on Kindle? Yes, if you, if you, you, they, they have to accept it. Yeah. It's a catch-22 when you're a writer. Yeah. Because... You can't get a publisher, they won't even look at it without an agent. Right. You can't get an agent unless you're published. Yes. So that makes it hard. And uh, so I, I never really planned to ever try anything published. But I started off, you say about people say they will do these things, but I started in a very small way because I always wrote little rhymes. Mm. And I did that when I was working. And used to tease people, and they wouldn't know who put them there. Mm. And, uh, or you used to leave them on people's desks. Well, one put, my my boss is actually. <laughs> really? Uh, well, not not the big not the big boss. This is uh, like your supervisor. Boss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what, and you leave little poems on his desk? Well, he knew. We knew there was a young girl chasing him, and he used to put these little poems in there. And they didn't say who it was, but he was thinking they were coming from <laughs> from an admirer, and they weren't. And he 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 was suspected because he knew that I used to sometimes write the uh, little rides for people's birthdays. And yes. So he knew that I did this sort of thing, but uh, he'd. I never did it in my own handwriting because he, when he suspected, he came out and he said, let me see your writing. Yeah. And sort of grabbed something. Oh, it isn't you. <laughs> so not only was, not only was this the perfect sneaky way to do it, you even went so far as to disguise your writing so it was the perfect crime. Oh, well, I'd like to see. He never did find out. Really? It's all right. He won't be listening to this. He's gone now. Oh, OK. So, so, but I, start, I started with rhymes, and I can't call them poems. Oh, I mean, I, people sometimes used to say I, I write poems. No, I mean, it's rollicking rhyme, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Rollicking rhyme. Yeah, that's I like that. Gloria, thank you very much. I really enjoyed thank that. You. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you for that marvellous spread. I'm going to have a... I didn't because I didn't want to have my mouth full, but I'm going to have a Viscount now. Oh, I don't care. Do, do, please do. Well, that was Gloria, and that was one of the nicest chats I've had so far. She also makes a sensational cup of tea. Full marks on biscuit choice, too. And for those of you interested in Gloria's romantic fiction, here's a quick introduction. The Last Word by Gloria Lane. Discourteous, rude, and an arrogant bore, such is the opinion of spirited journalist Liz Webster when Harmon Gregg introduces himself to staff as the paper's new managing editor. 
She vows his aggressive manner will never be allowed to scare her into submission. But sparks fly when he axes her out and about page and moves her into the political arena under the guidance of senior reporter Charlie Wayne. Despite her resistance, a furious Liz is forced to accept Dragon Man's last word on the subject. But their clash of wills will continue. Does Liz have the true measure of her boss and will a stranger from across the world change her life forever? Find out more in The Last Word by Gloria Lane. Available on Kindle now. Yeah, I think you'll find that on a few people's Christmas list this year. Sounds great. Now, as you'll have heard, this podcast is about sharing some fantastic life stories. But there are well over a million chronically lonely people in the UK who have no one to share their stories with. If you'd like to know more about ways to change this, then please go online and visit campaigntoendloneliness.org and find out how together we can make loneliness a thing of the past. Thanks again to the wonderful Gloria, and also thanks to Acast for hosting this show. See you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.